This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you're a loser, tune in and you'll be a winner. It's the Moranalytics Podcast. Talking Buffalo sports, Yankees, WWE, 80s music, and pop culture. And now, here's your host, Patrick Moran. And, and improving all of our processes in terms of how we practice, what we're teaching, and then let's go out and say, hey, who can help us, and let's get them. Drop the processes on us. Processes. That, that's different. That's different than <laughs> It's right. a new word. I just learned it this offseason. You know, so process, process, ease. Mm, I'm into you know, it. You into it? Yo, I'm into it too. That was a clip from friend and friend of the podcast, Joe Biscalia. Joe B interviewing Buffalo Bills head coach Sean McDermott at the NFL Combine in Indianapolis on Wednesday. And just in case you're tired of hearing that word process, Sean McDermott dropped a new bomb, process ease. I'm so here for that. So here. Can't wait to hear that term pretty much every day for the next six months, 12 months, two years, however long. Give me all. All the process he takes, all of them. And on that note, what's up, podcast fans? Welcome to episode number 98 of the Moranalytics podcast. Thank you, as always, for listening and downloading. If you haven't subscribed already, please do so. Rate and review, all that stuff, it always helps tremendously. Coming up on today's show, I got my man, Bills Mafia co-founder, 26 Shirts founder, Del Reed is in the house with me. And here's the thing too, when I say in the house, I actually mean it. Del's in my neck of the woods, Sarasota this week for an everything Buffalo event. We talked earlier in the week and we decided to hook up for breakfast the next morning. Figured we'd get together, meet because we had never actually physically met before and maybe tape a little something. So that's exactly what we did. I picked them up Wednesday morning. We drove to a Metro Diner in Sarasota, grabbed ourselves a table on the patio outside, beautiful weather outside, had a cup of coffee, Dell got some breakfast, and we just shot the shit, man. Had a lot of fun. It was great to catch up with him. Talk a little bit about the Bills Mafia. Of course, we also talk about 26 shirts, including some really cool stories about some of the people that he's been able to work with because of his company. He's got a cool Daryl Talley tale involving his kid. We talk about Dell becoming kind of a local celebrity of sorts. Great chat. Great environment outdoors. Being able to do that with him. Really cool vibe. Such a big fan of Dell Reed. Sure, most of you are listening too. If you know what I'm talking about, I don't need to explain it to you. You know what a good guy he is. So anyway, that was fun. I got him on. After that, I got another edition of The Running With Joe. Featured my buddy Joe. Buffalo wins on Twitter. We're talking NFL Combine going on this week. Trying to read between the lines of McDermott and Brandon Bean press conferences in Indy. We talk about the, I don't even want to say the implosion because they're fully imploded now. Talk about the fully imploded Buffalo Sabres. Just a done deal for this year. So sad. We talk about the WWE bouncing back with one of their better weeks of TV programming in a very long time. I don't really got much else to say here at the top. I got you covered with two packed segments covering a ton of topics. So let's just jump right into it. Here's my interview in Sarasota with Bill's Mafia co-founder, 26 Shirts pioneer, Del Reed, followed by another installment of The Running With Joe. (laughs) 
All right, so this is different. It is a weekday morning. I am sitting here outside in Sarasota at a Metro Diner, and lo and behold, <laughs> I got a special guest with me, man. I got the co-founder of Bill's Mafia, the founder of 26 Shirts, my man Del Reed's down in hey. Florida. What's going on, buddy? What's going on, man? This is a nice setup. I think maybe... In retrospect, chicken and waffles for breakfast was a bad idea. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah. we're, we're going to find out. We'll, we'll see how that, I'll let you know later how that, how that plays out. Yeah, you know, there's no particular rhyme or reason. And we were talking about this over breakfast. Really to have you on. But I said, mm. too, you're my man. I said, we've never actually met before. We've been friends on Twitter now for several years. And you're yeah. down here. We're taping this on Wednesday. So by the time this is out on Friday morning, you'll be back in cold, snowy Buffalo. But yep. uh, but I'm not there now. You're not there now. <laughs> We're out here on a patio. I mean, not to piss people off back yeah. home or... You know, cold right now listening, but we're here in t-shirts and shorts. And, I put my uh, sunglasses on just for the full effect. <laughs> for, for full effect. <laughs> um, why are you here in Florida? Tell people why you're down here. Yeah, so uh, there's a big event here in Florida at Robarts Arena. It's, I guess there's going to be like 1,600 people they're expecting. It's called the Everything Buffalo event. That's tonight. So um, like you said, when people hear this, they're going to be finding out about it after the fact. But uh, it's just a big event they put on for expats and, you know... Um, you know, people who just love the city of Buffalo who are living down here in Florida now. And I found out about it last year, about immediately after the event happened. Uh, Mike Biondo, who's an artist that I've had the pleasure of working with a bunch of times with 26 shirts. Um, I'm sure that there's a, a segment of people listening that know who I'm talking about because um, he does a lot of cool illustrations on Twitter and Instagram and stuff just about the bills in general. Um, he was telling me about the event. He's like, you got to come down here. You got to see this. And uh, I said, all right. So I over the past year, I've been, you know, talking with the event coordinator of the, the whole, you know, the, the whole shindig. And so 26 shirts is a, a sponsor of the event, you know, just a little minor sponsor, but we, you know, helped contribute some stuff and I'm coming down here for, you know, to check it out. And, you know, I was tweeting last night, I'm coming all the way to Sarasota so I can eat chicken wings and pizza, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> check it out. And we'll see, you know, what the future holds, you know, if we're going to be a part of the event, of, you know, a bigger scale next year, if we're able to and all that, but anyways, yeah, just recon for a cool event and, Meet some uh, fellow uh, a lot people of, I know through yeah, Twitter. There's, there's a lot of a lot of Buffalonians that yeah. you know live down here in this part of Florida, especially. And uh, hey, Miss Buffalo, it is a cool event. I particularly, it's, it's not for me. And the only reason why it's not for me is because I don't get a chance to miss Buffalo, man. <laughs> I I come back, you know, three four times a year. I come for a, for a month in the summer. I come for a couple weeks over Christmas, so I get my chicken wing and pizza mm -hmm. fix and mm -hmm. love black blue and stuff like that. But you mentioned twenty six shirts, man. How's that going? Tell me how things are with that. Um, good. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's going, it's going great. Um, we're uh, super blessed to have, you know, uh, so many fellow fans that really believe in what we're doing and uh, enjoy the designs that we put out. And, you know, we've had the opportunity to work with some, you know, some great artists, you know, some some great players have, you know, kind of, you know, come alongside us with, with some of these designs and everything. And just, you know, it's really just it's, it's, it's amazing that it's taken off. Like it was going to be a one year project. And now here we are, like in our sixth volume, you know, five and a half years in now. But it's great. I'm just super grateful for everybody's, you know, support and belief in it. And, you know, just uh, not what I thought I was going to be doing with my life. <laughs> but here we are. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, I want to tell people out there listening to right now that this is not your first time on the show. I did have you back on last May. So I'm going to throw that in the in the archives. I'm going to put the, a link in the show notes if you want to go back and listen. That mm -hmm. was a really good interview because it gave the entire story of the Bills Mafia and mm -hmm. how it was born and how it's grown. Ditto with 26 shirts. Great company. You know, we, we talked about how you started and where's one from that. And we're not going to spend, you know, a lot of time today going on that. I want you to enjoy this Florida sun that we're, as we're sending out here right now. Let's talk bills for a couple of minutes. All right. Yeah, let's do it. I mean, and you know, you're kind of like me. It's not so much about specific prospects or particular free agents, but you do have a vision for the team itself. It was, uh, when I talked to you last May, the team was coming off a playoff appearance, which was the first one in 17 years. And it was a disappointing season in some regards this year. But at the same token, I think that we expected a step back. I mean, we were pretty much were warned by the organization, you know, that there's a good chance that they're going to step back because they're thinking big picture. And instead of trying to be in win now mode, they went out and they got a rookie quarterback. They got a rookie linebacker, you know, to become the quarterback of the defense. So now here we sit here. We're in the 2019 NFL offseason. 
if you could play Brandon Bean, and I'm again, I'm not going to ask you to name specific players, whether it's from the draft or through free agency, but you look at this roster, what are one or two spots where you think you would put the most attention to? Like, where do you really think this team needs help the most? Well, I still think that there's a, a wide receiver need, even with, you know, how, how well uh, Foster and McKenzie started to show up towards the end of the season last year, as well as they were playing. I think that is going to be a priority for Brandon Bean um, for good reason. You know, I also would love to see what they do with the offensive line. That's that's going to be tough. I mean, it's, it's I, I'm not an expert in terms of all these different like free agents and, and um, uh, you know, draft prospects that are going to be available. But my understanding is there's not a lot out there this year for, you know, offensive line. I mean, I, I know there's the one uh, center from Denver, uh, Matt Paradis. Matt Paradis yeah. yeah. So I know that. But, you know, he's that's going to be a big ticket signing if they if they do sign him. So I don't know, I, 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 but I think offensive line, uh, you know, wide receivers are probably the biggest positions of need. And then also, you know, that, you know, Lorenzo pretty much said he's come back for one more year. He had a phenomenal year last year. Holy cow, that guy's yeah, like did. Benjamin Button. But uh, <laughs> there's an idea for a shirt. <laughs> the curious case of Lorenzo Alexander. Uh, but so I think the linebacking core is going to need some help. And then, you, you know, a lot of times people always say that Harrison Phillips is the new Kyle Williams, but I don't think that's fair to either player to say that. I think they're two different players. So it'll be interesting to see how they fill that void too with Kyle Williams now having gone uh, ridden off into the sunset. I think the offensive line is, it needs to be priority number one. And I think that if there's a position where in free agency, again, without naming specific players, but that's a position where I think they really need to, to spend most of their resources. But at the end of the day, and I'm pretty sure you can agree with this. In fact, we were talking about it over breakfast before we started taping here. It all comes down to Josh Allen and how much he improves if assuming that he does improve in year two, because, you know, he needs to be the type of quarterback we've we've seen. I mean, I think he showed with his athleticism, it was far better than either of us or, or any Bills man for that matter ever thought it would be. You know, even his biggest mm-hmm. critics did not know that he had the legs that he does and can make plays with his legs mm-hmm. like he did. We all know he has a strong arm. We all knew he would make highlight real plays, but. I think the biggest question for the Bills going into 2019 is, can he get that completion percentage up? Now, he's never going to be Drew Brees. We, we know that. You know what I mean? But can he get that completion percentage up? Can he be more consistent when he makes a mistake? Is it going to be the type of mistake that cost them, you know, they got a punt on third down because he threw a bad pass? Or is it going to be the type of pass where he throws a game-changing interception in the fourth quarter when they're down three trying mm-hmm. to tie it up? You know, with eight minutes left, he telegraphs a pass that gets picked off and returned for six. So at the end of the day, just gave me anxiety just thinking about that scenario. (laughs) Like I just felt like a little bit. Would you agree? At the end of the day, I mean, we could sit here whether it's it's a fan like yourself, whether it's Matt Fairborn or Tim Graham or you know anyone who follows or writes covers the Bills for a living. At the end of the day, I I still say it comes down to Josh Allen and his growth in year two. That's ultimately going to determine where this team goes. Yeah, and what's great is that he's going to have the same offensive coordinator in 2019 that he had in 2018. And uh, I think I saw that he's going to be the only second-year quarterback that's going to have the same offense coordinator coordinator week one that he had um, in week one of the previous year. Now, obviously, you know, Baker Mayfield, there's that little bit of a wrinkle there, but um, because, you know, Freddie Kitchens, you know, um, you know, just with that, he didn't really take over until like halfway through or whatever it is. But but I think it's huge for Josh Allen that he's going to have an offensive coordinator who's not going to come in here and make him learn uh, a new set of calls. He's, you know, who uh, somebody who's you know intimately now familiar with all of his strengths and his weaknesses. And I think it's only going to benefit him. So I'm not saying, you know, he's going to be a, a Pro Bowl quarterback next season. He might be. I'm not saying he won't be. But I'm saying that, you know, at least the, the deck isn't stacked against him, you know, for he, where he has to learn like a whole new set of play calls in, in this year than he had last year. Have you had a chance to meet Josh Allen yet? Uh, no, I haven't. No? No. That's probably one of the few people you haven't met. Ah. Let me ask you this, in all seriousness now, you know, the Bills term Bills Mafia is famous now. I mean, like I said, we are sitting here in a restaurant outside at a patio in Sarasota right now taping this, and they're, we're by ourselves for the most part. But if somebody happened to walk by who saw me wearing the Buffalo Bills cap on like I have right now, and I said the term Bills Mafia, I've never met that person in my life, but they're going to know what I'm talking about, Bills Mafia. You ever stop and think sometimes it's like, you know, holy shit, I had a big hand in creating that term. And people might not know that it's you until you tell them who you are or whatever, but it's got to be a, a pretty incredible feeling that, that to know that 
pretty much anyone who's a Buffalo Bills fan, no matter where they are, not but I don't care if Buffalo, Florida, Mexico, doesn't matter where they are. You hear the term Bills Mafia. That's what Buffalo Bills fans know, and that you had a major, major part in creating that. Yeah, it's surreal. You know, um, it is weird. And I, I never make a point of saying, like, well, did you know I started Bills Mafia? Or I don't really care, you know. But I, w- um, I would. <laughs> I, I, would have a t- I would have a T-shirt that said, I'm the one who created yeah, Bills Mafia. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Maybe, well, I know a guy, you know, but T-shirts. <laughs> but no, um, yeah, it's, it's weird. And it's really, you know, it's really cool to see how it's kind of grown into this thing where, you know, the first few years, you know, we it was like I said, like I said before, it's a joke that I made that took off, and I found myself with a social media audience, like, and it kind of just happened like naturally. And you know, the first few years, I, you know, we were like, I was trying to, you know, build it and see what would come of it, with absolutely no idea of what I was doing or, or what my plans were. But it's really just become its own thing now that belongs to the fans. Like, people's like, oh, you own Bill's Mafia. Do you? I'm like, no, it's it's everybody's. You know? Do you feel like you owe a little bit of debt of gratitude to Stevie Johnson and the Nick Barnett too? He doesn't get enough credit too. Nick Barnett yeah. had plenty to do with yeah, it. Yeah, for well. sure, absolutely. That's why I like talking with you because you're around when it happened. Like yeah. on Twitter, you you know how it all happened. I remember. You know? Yeah, yeah, and uh, that that you know the Stevie. The reason there's a Twitter account that we have for at the Bills Mafia is because Stevie said you guys should create a Twitter account and. So Bree, uh, you know, one of my co-founders, he created it. And next thing you know, Stevie's uh, said, don't you know, you're not a Bills fan if you're not following this account. And all of a sudden, poof, it blew up. Yeah, um, it, it's just it's crazy. But um, yeah, dude, absolutely. Like that's that. And that's where the success came from. Like I could make it all about me or whatever. Um, or we could make it all about us, you know, Bree and Leslie and everything. But really, like it's because the players embraced it. That's why it's a thing, you know, Uh and Nick Barnett, Stevie Johnson, Fred Jackson, Sean Merriman, like all these players early on, you uh, were using the term, embracing it. And it's just now somebody gets drafted. And the first thing they do is tweet Bill's Mafia. Yeah, it's it's or, sur- free agent signs. Yeah, it's going to happen soon. Someone's going to sign here and, yeah. and they're they're not even going to say, oh, I'm excited to go to Buffalo. They're going to have hashtag Bill's Mafia yeah. the second they sign. And it's I mean, and that's why I say, like, it's not mine. It's not anybody's. It's the fa- it's for every fan. It's for everybody, in, in, you know that's part of you know bill's fandom it belongs to them you know and it's you know that's why i've always talked about us being like a, a fam base like family you know because like that's you know what i mean it's just i don't know I, it's I, I don't ever want to i don't maybe it's my personality i don't like to make things about me but it's it is it does feel good when people use it like oh, sure nice you know and, so and i get that you don't want to make things about you and that's understandable again that's where me and you are different it would totally be all about <laughs> me and i've been the one who was smart enough to create that but jokes aside you know i wouldn't go as far to say You've reached celebrity status in Western New York, but you're certainly your name is anonymous with a lot of things. And mm-hmm. have you gotten to that point where you get recognized quite often by people because hey, here's the guy, here is Del Reed. You know yeah. what I mean? I'm not no, again, Josh Allen levels. No, but <laughs> a lot of people know who you are now. If I throw, put it this way, if I'm sitting at a bar in Buffalo and, and I throw out, start talking about Bill's Mafia and I throw, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm boys with my Del Reed. You guys are, they, people know who you are now. You it's, know what I mean? It, it's weird. Yeah, it's really weird. Yeah, there's been, not yesterday, but there's been times when I've gone through like, like TSA security, whether it was in Buffalo or in Florida or wherever I was flying to. And the TSA agent would say, Hey, Bill's Mafia. I'm like, Oh my gosh, it's <laughs> 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 crazy. Um, one, one funny story is real quick. Uh, it was, uh, I was at the, uh, the St. Peter's, St. Petersburg, uh, Florida Bills backers bar to watch. We were in town last August. Me and my family just on vacation, and there happened to be a, a Bills game, a preseason game going on. So I'm like, we got to go catch a game. I don't. I want to watch the game, you know. So we went to a, a Bills backers bar there, and uh, the or- one of the organizers was, you know, I introduced myself. I didn't, I didn't introduce myself. I said, "Hey, how are you?" You know, um, and he's like, "I heard Del Reed's here. If you, let me know if you see him." I'm like, "All right, dude, I will." <laughs> I was like, "Actually, I know him. You know, I felt like Obi Wan. He's me. You know." Um, so that was kind of weird, but. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's cool. My daughter's friends think I'm cool or whatever. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, you're, you're hip, dude. Mafia, you're you hip, know? dude, man. My daughter will check him. She's like, he's not as cool as you think. Trust me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. As we start to wind down here, I know you got a lot of things going on today. I don't want to keep you too long. But what's a couple, what would you consider a couple of the coolest things that you've been able to do because of the Bills Mafia? You know, because you're associated with Bills Mafia. What are one or two of the like coolest things that you've gotten to be a part of because of that? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, one example I always use is... Thurman Thomas, we did a shirt with him four years ago now, three years ago, something like that, you know, and he modeled it for us. And we actually went to his house and like, like 
you know, took photos of him in the shirt. I'm like, holy crap, I'm at Thurman Thomas's house, <laughs> like legally, like I'm not trespassing. And I, like, you know, it was, uh, right. so that was uh, that was pretty cool. Like getting to, you know, getting to meet with uh, meet with him and everything. And he did that for us and had the opportunity to meet with him a bunch of times. You know what I mean? Um, at this point. So a really good guy, you know, I think maybe the other one is and there's honestly like not to say whatever. Like, I feel weird just saying two because there's been like so many crazy things have happened sure. in the past seven or eight years. But um Daryl Talley, I remember uh, when the, like the, in the early years of 26 shirts, it was like shortly after I had actually taken a leap and started doing it full time. Um, we were doing kind of like our own little fundraiser where um, we were selling like 26 shirts, hats and stuff like that. And uh, we, we set it up so that like it, for certain people, like if you ordered a hat, it might come signed by a player. So I, you know, like uh, I think we had, we got Jim Kelly, Fred Smurlis, Eric Wood, Joe D. Um, I think Thurman did some, and then um, Daryl Talley, and so like so for those you know whoever ordered those hats, the you the chance is going to arrive signed by one of them. So I was coordinating with Janine Talley, who's awesome by the way. I don't know if you have, you should have her on your podcast. I if love you Janine; like she's awesome. She's a writer. She's, she's I've talked to her before. She prefers to write, right, not right, talk. Yeah, she's do a, a Q and A with her on your site. She's a great human being. Oh, I love she is, I love Janine. She's a sweetheart. So she uh, so she basically uh helped coordinate Daryl was in town. I think it was for maybe would have been the roast of Andre Reed. I forget what it was the WGR roast. And so she said, Hey, he's free, you know, Saturday morning. If you want to just go to the hotel, meet him in the lobby or whatever, he'll sign it. So I, I had my kids with me that day, you know, they didn't, they don't give a rip about some dude who used to play for the bills in the nineties. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, um, so we sat there, we probably spent like 45 minutes just hanging out in the lobby, talking, you know, he signed the hats real quick or whatever. And, uh, it was really cool. Like he was, uh, interacting with my kids just as much, if not more, than he was with me, which is fine. You know what I mean? Right, like, yeah. And so they, he was asking him all these questions and stuff like that. And, you know, my one daughter's a hugger. My other daughter's not. And so, like, my younger daughter was saying, like, I just don't, like, I hate when my sister tries to hug me. And all like, so as we're leaving, uh, we're walking out, and he comes up behind my younger daughter and gives her, like, this, like, this, like, bear hug. It was, like, really cool. Like, you know, it's just, like, he's, like, I know you don't like hugs, but you're a great kid. And, you know, I give her a big hug. And I, I didn't want to, like, stage it. So I, sh I wish I could have like, taken a photo fast enough. But I don't want to be, like, oh, wait, let me get a picture. <laughs> but it was just a really cool memory, you know what I mean? Just of how personable he was. And he was telling the girls all about, like, his life growing up with his brothers and everything. And it was just, it was, that was a really cool moment. Because they're, like, at the end of the day, you realize that so often, you know, fans want to put players like on this pedestal like they're bigger than life in a lot of ways i guess they are bigger than life but dude like they're people that you know right. they they grew up in a home just like you did and they have families just like you did you know what i mean and it's just uh put their pants on one leg at a time just like you you know what i mean all that a and so uh that's been really cool to learn that firsthand that they really are you know, just people. And uh, for the vast majority of them, they're all really cool people, you know? Last question here, then I'll let you go, man. I'm sure you got a lot of stuff in the oven, a lot of things in the, in the thought bank right now. Name me a player that you have not had an opportunity to work with, whether it's a current player or a past player, something that you would like to do something with in the future with 26 shirts that maybe you haven't had that opportunity to yet. Oh man, that's a, that's a good question. Um, we have a design that, this immediately comes to mind. We have a design we did based on Tremaine Edmonds that I would love to get him on board with. Um, I've not really like, you know, um, done a hard press in terms of trying to get get his attention and get right. him to work with us. But that would be, you know, that that would be cool to actually, you know, do that. It's a cool design. I'll show you after we, we're done recording. Um, I really try to do stuff like with the players because I don't want to, you know, I don't want there to be weirdness, you know. So I'd love if he was on board with it. But um, outside of that, I'm trying to think if there's like some. Uh, I guess it's a real testament, uh, testament to just like how crazy this whole 26 shirts thing has been. Like I'm thinking like, well, we did a shirt with Jim Kelly. We've done a bunch of shirts with Jim Kelly. We've done a bunch of shirts with Thurman, a bunch of shirts with Andre. Yeah. Uh, Stevie, Eric Moulds, like all these things, like all these players I've yeah. really enjoyed watching. It's kind of happened. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, man, I don't, I don't know. I guess we'll, we'll stick with Tremaine Edmonds. You know, he's, he's, he's fresh. You know, he's, uh, I hope, hopefully looks like he's going to be a cornerstone on that defense for a long time. I'd love to work with him. All right, man. So there it is. We're, that's the goal of this podcast right now. Yeah. Tremaine, if you're podcast, listening. <laughs> Tremaine Edmonds, if you're not listening, someone who knows him, get the word out, man. You know what? I got Reed Ferguson coming on next week. Yeah. I'll absolutely make sure that he, uh, yeah. Then he talks to Reed's Jermaine. my dude. Tell him I said hi. I will. I will for sure. Love that dude. All right, everyone. Follow Del Reed on Twitter. 
at Del Reed. Again, we're taping this Wednesday. People will be hearing this Friday. You'll be cold with the rest of them on Friday. But enjoy the rest of your time in Florida and then enjoy the event tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me on, dude. Thanks for, you know, hanging out with me for breakfast. It's great to finally meet you in person. You know, so it's, yeah, this was it's, fun. It's, it's nice. It is NFL Combine Week, dude, which is the unofficial start of a uh, bullshit season. <laughs> Hell yeah. It is definitely the start of bullshit season. No question about that. Wednesday, Sean McDermott spoke to the media. Thursday, Brandon Bean spoke to the media. Don't really think anything big came out of that. But then again, did you really expect anything big to come out of that? Just a bunch of coach speak and a bunch of GM speak yeah. for the most part. Well, we did learn that 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 Sean McDermott is talking about, you know, reaching out to more, being having a better relationship with millennials, which I was like, Jesus Christ! I'm like, is this is this like a slow news news week? Like, we just gotta be like, whoa, you know, reaching out to millennials and having the Bills put out a freaking 300 word story about it. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm that like, was that great. was uh, that was definitely uh something. <laughs> Let's leave yeah, it there. that was just weird. I, did I was take, like, I okay, did, I did take down a couple notes though from each of them. Just because I don't not necessarily, again, anything groundbreaking by any means. Some of it's just uh, general thoughts and maybe uh, kind of a prelude to what might be coming. But in terms of McDermott speaking on Wednesday, he was very noncommittal about Spencer Long, whether he's going to be playing center or guard. I, I do now realize that about, what was it, a couple weeks ago when he signed, I severely overreacted at the time. I was pissed off. I, in fact, I remember talking to you. I was really pissed off. I'm like, great. Bill's got their fucking starting center in February. Guy who got cut from the Jets, whatever. We don't know where he's going to play. And I believe that, you know, again, I just said, this is the start of bullshit season. But in that case, I think that's the truth. I think that he's a guy right now who's insurance. He might be the center. He might be the guard. He might be Ryan Groy. You know what I mean? There's nothing that's set in stone with him whatsoever. And Sean McDermott hit on that. And I, that is one thing that I actually do believe. Yeah, it's just it, it definitely. I mean, I was probably in. The, I wouldn't say I was outraged when the signing happened. I I kind of penciled him in as a starter because of the money, but some of the, most of the money was fake money. So, I mean, whatever. We'll see what happens with him. I mean, they, like I they talk about competition all the time, and you know, right now the way the the line looks, like yeah, he would be a starter because there's no one there right now. But you know, they're hopefully going to add some pieces pieces of the puzzle, draft, free agency, or whatever, where. You know, maybe, maybe he is, maybe he's not, you know, but right now we've talked about it. That offensive line's a mess and any guy that comes, any guy, they could sign the guy from the CFL or XFL and we'll be like, Hey, he could be starting because there's no one there right now. Yeah. I'm bouncing back and forth there with notes between Bean and and McDermott. McDermott didn't speak too much or at least he didn't say anything that caught my attention with the offensive line, but Brandon Bean sort of did on Thursday only because when, and I'm talking about the offensive line here. There was a lot of, and I'm using quotes here, see what happens. He used that, that term a lot. Like with Jordan Phillips, he kind of made it pretty obvious that they've talked and that they would like to bring him back. But when he discussed, uh, you know, when he was asked about Mills and Miller and Ryan Groy, did not specifically say that he would like to have any of those guys back. It was a bunch of, we'll see what happens. That leads me to think that, in fact, I would bet that he's probably had conversations with guys like Mills and Miller that, saying, you know, if you can go out and find work somewhere else and get paid, by all means, go ahead. You're welcome to come back here, but you're going to have to compete for a roster spot. That's all that we're going to give you. You're not guaranteed a starting role. Hell, you're not even guaranteed a death role on this team right now. If you come back, you're going to come back and compete for a 53-man roster spot. That's the sense I get right now from all the free agent offensive linemen after hearing Brandon Bean talk. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, and that's probably how it, it should be, I guess. I, again, the offensive line was horrible last year. None of these guys, you know, if they resign any of them, I'm, you know, I would put them on as like, you're competing for a job. You're yeah, getting bodies. A, a, a BS, like fake cap, fake contract where like, there's no guaranteed money. Probably I would, I would rather in certain cases move on. Like let's move on from Jordan Mills, you know, like you're only one injury away from having Jordan Mills be your right tackle again. Um, so I would just rather have them if they're going to redo the line, like just redo it and find new people. I think they're totally going to do it. I think the only guy that's safe 
is Deion Dawkins because it's he's one of their guys, even though even though Bean didn't draft him, but like right. he's you know he's under the McDermott uh, umbrella. But everyone else, like come on, I agree. Like it's definitely I it's agree hundred percent. I think as of right now, this it's Friday, so March first. There's only three guys on this offensive line that I think are pretty much locks to be on the roster for opening day, and that's obviously Dawkins, Wyatt Teller, and uh, and Spencer Long. That's three. There's seven or eight eight guys on the 53 man. You know what I mean? So there's going to be a lot of right. competition, and I don't think any of the guys that are free agents now, there's certainly not a priority to bring any of them back. Again, none of them are mentioned sure. by name, and maybe they'll just be camp bodies. There was one other position that kind of caught my attention over these two interviews, and that's tight end. In terms of McDermott, it was typical coach speak on Charles Clay. You know, mm-hmm. he's a good guy in the locker room, this and that, blah, blah, blah. I had a lot of, he said the right things. But you could tell that they're determined to upgrade a tight end right now. And I don't think it's about getting uh, just a couple bodies into camp. When I say upgrade, I don't mean, you know, Jason Croom's the only guy who's definitely back. That doesn't mean they're going to sign four mediocre guys. I think that this is a position where they're really going to upgrade. He said that, and I got the same type of sense with Brandon Bean. I think that this is a position where they're going to go out, they're going to sign a free agent, and not just any free agent, but somebody who could play. And then I also think that they're going to draft a tight end. And not only do I think they're going to draft one, I think they're going to draft one relatively early. I get a strong sense from these two guys right now that tight end is going to be a very important position on this team going forward. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of tea leaves there if you just look at the history of both. Bean, McDermott, and Dable. You know, look at look at Brian. You know, Dable. He's former offensive coordinator for, or not offensive. He was the former offensive coordinator. Scratch that. <laughs> he was the tight ends coach in New England. So obviously, he's going to have like a interest in tight ends since that's what he did for most of his time in New England. So boom, right there. And then boom, when you look at the New England offense over the years, what has the New England offense always been been about for like the last six, seven years? Gronk, Gronk, and Hernandez before Hernandez killed people. So again. Your your offensive coordinator has a history with tight ends. Then you go to McDermott and Bean. Who was Carolina's best offensive weapon receiving wise over the last like six seven years? Greg Olson. You know when Greg Olson was health, healthy, he was a he was a Pro Bowl tight end. He was their best weapon. So yeah, I do think they'll go out there and get try to get maybe even upgrade more at tight end than they would at wide receiver. And I'm fine with that. I like you know I think when you have tight ends, I think they're you know, you need to, the one thing the Bills franchise has always lacked. They've lacked finding tight ends ever. You know, Charles Clay is arguably their best, one of their best tight ends in franchise history because they have always ignored that position. It feels like right. and teams are totally, you know, when you have a tight end who can like stretch the field, it's better, I think, than even wide receivers because you're having linebackers or safeties who are much smaller having to cover a tight end who can, you know, re- go right, right down the field. That's why Gronk has been great. Gronk is like, a, a, he is a mismatch, you know, of epic proportions. And again, he's a hall of famer and whatnot, but like guys of his stature, his size, they're harder to contain. I would say than like your wide receiver. So yeah, I definitely see them going after They have to look, Jason Croom's not a starting tight end right now. Maybe he will break out into one, but like he's at best, like a fringe number two right now. Yeah. And depending on what they're, philosophy is like next year like uh, do they want to play two tight ends do they want to do like the spread more do they want to have you know the wide receiver you know a tight end split out you know split out in the slot or whatever like how they use Gronk you know I'm not sure what they want to do but I do feel tight ends a big part of what they want to do you know I uh I don't know what to do with you right now, man. I, I like to argue with you, but honestly, your your take so far are kind of spot on. Well, it's 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 February. I mean, the, I this whole I, I the combine week is just annoying. I, I was like thinking about this today. Like, what the hell is this? This is what the NFL like. This is what the NFL, I guess, is brilliant at doing. They just take the smallest, minute event, like people running in shorts. Measuring hand sizes well, or dick sizes or whatever the <laughs> hell they're doing. And it's like every it's, it's like front page news. And I'm just like, this is so horrible. You know, boring. I don't want to get off track here, but you're absolutely right. It's Thursday as we're taping this, and Kyle Murray is five ten and his hands I think are five nine and a half, and all of a sudden he's a fucking lock to be the first pick of the draft now because he's <laughs> a half inch taller than I thought he was on yesterday, or that scouts might have thought he was. He's a half pound or he's like eight pounds heavier, a half pound or a half inch taller. And his hands are a quarter of an inch bigger. So all of a sudden he's Russell Wilson and he's going to be the first pick of the draft, which by the way, he may be the first pick of the draft. I actually do believe that. And I think, and again, I don't want to 
get too off track here from what we're talking about. But Josh Rosen, man. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting dilemma what they might. I, I was reading like the Giants may be interested maybe. Sure, in there'll Rosen be a lot or, of teams. Yeah, but, I've, heard uh, a lot, I've heard a lot about New England. He, he could go to New England and be the here's successor to, uh, to Tom Brady. I would obviously fucking Can you him. imagine can you, if he goes to New England? Like we would have Darnold, Rosen, and Allen in the same division. Yeah, like three, like the quarterbacks that we all like were looking at, you know, possibly picking. That would be kind of that would be kind of epic, and uh, you know, if I was the Cardinals, look, I I don't know, I know they're, I'm not following them that closely. I know. So wait, their 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 head coach, he's the offensive, he was the offensive coordinator. Kingsbury. Yeah. Okay. With Oklahoma, Oklahoma, right? Is that kind of what he's? Uh, oh, I, you know, I I don't remember that. I I know okay. that he said when he was at Texas Tech, he said uh he said that he would take Murray if he had the first pick, and that was before gotcha. he okay, became. So, that was before he even interviewed for Arizona. So he was and he, quoted okay. as saying in college he would take Murray if he had the first pick. It's not well, that look, he coached Murray before. That's yeah. What it is. I I would say this. I mean, the GM is the guy who's still there. Is the guy who picked Rosen. So I, I don't know how much how much car blanche the GM has, you know, over the coach. Like it could be like your old school GM is in charge of everything. Coach is there to coach thing. And if that's the case, then I don't know if he's going to want. Get rid of Rosen, but uh, you know, because he he picked them, he picked them last year. So unless unless ownership is like, yeah, hey, screw you, GM. It's it's uh, it's all about the coach and what the coach wants. Which I just I don't know if that would be the case. Like, why would you trade him? Like when you when you invest something like that at a top ten, you know, pick or eleven, whatever the hell Rosen when I forgot, you know, you kind of want to see it through a little bit. So. We'll see what happens. I agree. It will be interesting if, if he gets if traded. If they really like Murray that much, though, you could also, you know, make the case that they could get a hell of a lot. They could flip him. They could probably get a, a first, a player, maybe a first and a couple other picks, and then they get the guy that, the, the you know, the coach wants. But anyway, we'll talk about that another time. Let's get back to the tight ends because I, I kind of wasn't finished with that thought. So Clay's gone. I agree with you. I think Kroom is a fringe, too, at best. I, like I said, I definitely have a feeling that they're going to sign a veteran free agent and they're going to draft someone. And I also think that the draft pick might be relatively high. Now I know that you're not the college prospect draft expert, and I'm not going to try to have you pretend like you're one, but Please one, don't. Yes, I'm not go going ahead. to, so don't worry about that. But I want to name TJ Hawkinson. He's a guy that is considered by most the top tight end on the board. And he potentially even could be a top 10 pick. All right. Now this is a dilemma for Buffalo because a, that is awful, awful high to use a pick that high on a tight end. But you look around the league, and this kind of would make you say, well, no, don't take this guy 10. Because if you look at most of the best tight ends around the NFL, you got Tra- Travis Kelsey was a second-round pick. Um, Greg Kittle from San Francisco, he's become one of the best <clears throat> tight ends. He was a fifth-round pick. Gronk, of course, famously was a second-round pick, one pick after Terrell Troop. So you don't necessarily need to get in that first round, especially up high, to get a guy like that. But at the same token, if TJ Hawkinson, and again, I know that you're not going to know a lot about him as a player right now, but if he has that potential to be another, say, Travis Kelsey, I think absolutely at nine, I wouldn't have a problem with taking a guy like that. Maybe you take that tight end and you value him more than any wide receiver at nine, but you know you need a skilled player. So maybe they take a tight end as high as 10. I mean, as high as nine. I mean, it is possible. I think, you know, you lay out the examples of guys who have gone in the second round who are like elite tight ends. I think you have to look at it this way. Tight end is something as a position that has evolved a lot over the last 10 years. So maybe when Gronk Kelsey wins and Gronk, I think Gronk got drafted like in 2010 or something like that. I don't think the tight end position was as booming then as, as it is now. Like, I'm sure if I were to Google or go to pro football reference, and type in like, okay, how many tight ends in 2010 went over a thousand yards? It's not as many as this past year, you know, because kind of a position that keeps evolving with the with the league being a more passing league and whatnot. I, you know, if they if they think this guy is great and he can be like an 80 catch, you know, thousand yard tight end like in the NFL, then fine, like pick him up, pick him, you know, get him at, at that high. You know, it will help them obviously in terms of uh, you know getting Josh Allen weapons, which I think is like the goal of this. Uh, but again, it, it, it is interesting. Cause like you said, like, you know, there are tight ends who have been drafted, you know, in the second round who are really good. I mean, and there's guys like, you know, Ebron is, uh, you know, Eric Ebron, he's a guy who he looked like he was a bust and then he goes in the, and then he was a top 10 pick and then he goes to the Colts and all of a sudden he's great, right. you know? And so that's, you know, you can go either way with that, but Hey, you know, the bills have so many damn weak, you know, holes on the offense at this rate. I'm not even you know, if they go any position with with wide receivers, tight ends, even offensive line, like with with that ninth pick, I mean, I, I probably do prefer 
a skilled guy if all things are equal, you know, but you know, if they go offensive tackle or something like that, it's like, okay, well, Hey, they, they, they don't have any offensive linemen right now, you right. know, or, you know, so I'm not going to, you know, the only position I would be angry at is if they like decided to draft a running back, like in the first yeah, round there's or something nobody like out that. There. But I, I agree with you or quarterback. Mm-hmm. Obviously, neither of that's going to happen. Sure. The one good thing about Kyler Murray, his stock rising like that is him and Haskins could be two quarterbacks who get picked among the first eight picks, which obviously would help a, a player slide down to Buffalo at nine. I'll tell you, and then we'll move on from this. There's four players right now, prospects, I should say, that I think the Bills fans should be really locked into. One is TJ Hawkinson, like we just talked about. Two could be DK Metcalf, the wide receiver. Although the four, I think he would be the least likely to be picked at nine. And here's the reason why, by the way, and we'll talk about this maybe a little more another time. I think Robert Foster is going to emerge as a really good receiver. I don't think last year was a fluke. I think he's going to improve. And you got that quote-unquote number one wide receiver that they're looking for. Don't necessarily buy that. I think Foster is going to get better. Zay Jones might improve a little bit. And they go out and they get maybe in free agency, they go get a good solid two or three. Maybe they don't take a wide receiver at nine, or maybe they don't even take one in the first few rounds. But anyway, so you got Hawkinson and DK Metcalf. A third would be an offensive tackle. Juwan Taylor just sounds like a great fit for them at nine. And then the fourth isn't a specific player, but if somebody on the defensive line falls down three, four more spots than they anticipated, that would be a spot where they could take a defensive lineman if somebody falls. But I think at this point, those are the four positions, I should say, tackle, tight end, wide receiver, or defensive line that the Bills could go in the draft. And those are probably the best players or the guys who had the best chance of getting picked at that spot as well. Yeah, it's still early for me to kind of put that out there because of free agency, and I'm not sure where they're going to go free agency. I'm right. still on I'm still on team. Give me some wide receivers. Give me some tight ends. I'm not on I'm not on board with 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 putting Zay Jones and Foster as like your two and three guy right now. Oh, I don't yeah. know what's up with you know, I I I need at least one or two, you know, wide receivers in that span. And then, you know, there was a lot of talk like I being talked about like he kind of bristled a little bit about the notion of number one wide receiver. And you know, right. I understand like I, I get that a little bit, kind of what he's saying, because it's like, well, hey, you know, I a lot of teams like they play play the spread. So you don't have it to where it was like 10, 15 years ago where you needed like a dominant wide receiver because you only had like two or three wide receivers on the field at times, you know, now you have like four or five, you know, you can spread the ball more, blah, blah, blah. But, um, you know, you still need to get some good guys in there. Like give me the right, like the Ram situation, you know, they got, they got cooks and they got woods, you know, that's a good, I take that in a heartbeat. And, and, you know, even though like they're, they're not in that same realm as like Julio Jones or, or AJ green when AJ green was in his prime fine, you know, but like, give me, I, I, I give me two guys. All I want this offseason is this: give me two guys who have a proven track record of of hey, they caught between sixty and eighty balls for like eight hundred yards, and like at least in a couple of seasons via free agency. Like, give me one or two of those guys. Yeah, well, you're right, and you know, you said it perfect. I think it's too early to talk about draft prospects in terms of who the Bills might take because you do have free agency. I I could run off Jawan Taylor at nine as a great pick. That could go to shit at 12.01 a.m. on March 13th if the Bills sign Darrell Williams to play right tackle. You know what I mean? Then they got Williams or Dawkins. Or if the Bills go out and they sign Adam Humphreys or Tyrell Williams, you know, they're not going to take DK Metcalf at nine. You know what I mean? So you are right in terms of it's it's definitely too early to talk about mock drafts and prospects. It's, it's fun. Yeah. Talk but, to someone but else does, about the draft, dude. Does, Why are you bringing me on to talk about drafts? It, Come on. It, it does, exactly. It doesn't mean anything. I would advise fans, just enjoy the combine. Find a couple guys that you like. You know, I'm not saying oh, don't pay any combine. attention. Yeah, it does matter, though, man. It does. Guys go up, don't watch, go down. Don't watch the combine. Don't watch the combine. Watch Game of Thrones reruns. You know, watch some stuff on Netflix. The combine's a waste. It's the most, I'm not watching one minute of the combine. I'm saying that right now. Sorry. <laughs> Come on, man. All right. One no, more thing. In my, one Sorry, more thing dude. in my Sorry, Bill's no, notebook. No. I got one more thing in my Bill's notebook that it kind of caught my attention. Sean McDermott sounded pretty high on Levi Wallace. I don't think that corner is going to be a priority this offseason that some people might think it is. I don't think that they thought the play of Levi Wallace was a fluke. Now, that's not to say they're going to ignore the position, but to go out and spend eight, nine million dollars on a corner in free agency annually or to draft a corner in the first or second round. I don't think that's something that could, that's going to happen. I think they like Levi Wallace more than the average fan thinks they do. 
Well, they have that one thing where, what, like, Pro Football Focus said, like, Levi Walls was, like, really good last year, right? They, I, I just remember seeing that stat or that thing yeah, all over Yeah, statistically, he was good, and the critics of him will say that he's not physical enough, and, you know, there, there's mm. other things about I mean, he was an undrafted free agent, rookie. So that is yeah, kind of a I lot of stock to, 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 to hand him a starting job in year two. But right. I, I, I think that he's played well enough, and I think they're happy enough with him that they're not going to draft Greedy Williams if he's on the board at nine, or they're not going to go out and mm-hmm. sign the top corner in free agency and give him all kinds of money. Well, it depends. Look, they, I could see them doing that within like maybe, and again, we're going into that early draft, you know, set, I mean, we just said, but if the, it's in the draft, I could see them going within the first three rounds and going for a cornerback. This is a team that last year they did, they did sign Vontae Davis to like, what was he? He was supposed to make five to $8 million. And, you know, I think, you can't, you can't, it's like what buddy next used to always say, you can't have enough cornerbacks, you know, out right. there. And right, and right now I don't, I, I honestly, for the life of me, I, I don't even know who the third or fourth cornerback is right now on this roster without like having to Google it, which well, they, me, got, they got Teron Johnson, but he slot corner is almost like a separate position. You know what I mean? I don't consider him a third corner. I consider him a slot corner because he's really good at it. Yeah. Well, look, Hey, they, I, I could see them doing something the, he it's McDermott. He's a defensive minded coach. I mean, maybe they like Wallace, but I, I do. I could see them adding another cornerback in that. They do free agency. Maybe they're going to do it in that like that five to six million dollar range. Uh, because, again, he's a defensive oriented coach. And I just feel like they're always going to like they're always going to pay attention to that defense. No matter how much I want them to go into the offensive direction, they're always going to care about that. So, uh, you know, we'll see what they do at cornerback. But I, I definitely think it's I think it's definitely a position that they'll address. I think. If you look at defensively, it's going to be probably cornerback, and I would say you know maybe an edge rusher, you know, or two, maybe yeah, you know, in terms a, of that. I think they'll get a veteran corner that maybe they give like a two year deal, like they had hoped to with Vontae Davis. By the way, right. Ronald Darby's a free agent. He ain't coming back. Is to he Buffalo. already? Yeah, he's twenty five years old. He's going to get a nice deal somewhere. They, that's not the kind of guy the Bills are going to look to bring. Maybe if they were to bring in a guy, a veteran, maybe him, like yeah. a Kareem Jackson from Houston. <laughs> Or something like that. Yeah. Yo, by the way, one more thing. What the fuck was Sean McDermott? What, what planet or what time frame was he living where he says that to win in the NFL today, you need to score at least 21 points a game? Yo, you score yeah. 21 points a game, you're going 6-10, and 10, dude. Yeah, between that and like the millennial story about reaching the millennials, I, it was a weird 24 hours of McDermott quotes. I'm yeah. just like, what is going on here? Uh, I don't he know. If, by the way, I don't know if you saw it. I played the clip right at the beginning of this podcast. He had a one-on-one with Joe B from Channel 7, and he used the word processes. That's his new yeah, word. I that was, saw that. That was processes. I, I, I was, was like, what? I, uh, yeah, I don't know. McDermott talks. I'm just like. I, I tend to be like, what is this guy talking about? I know he's not supposed to, he doesn't reveal anything, but when he reveals something as this is always like, what are you talking about, bro? Uh, I will say this though, with the 21 points thing, he did say in a few interviews, he said that a couple of times. And I guess he said that to Mariana where you should score at least 21 points. So like the Joe B one was on 21 points. And then when he talked to Sal Mariana, he said at least 21 points. So it's still not great either way. I don't know. Like, McDermott's just a weird McDermott in public is just not, he's not great. And this isn't, I'm not holding this against him. Like, you know, there are coaches who don't say shit like Belichick and he's got 7,000 Super Bowls, uh, you know, but um, maybe he misspoke a little bit, but who knows? I I don't know. Like you need more than, tw- look, your goal should be at least to score 28 points a game. Okay. This is the end. This is 2018, 19, whatever the fuck year we're in right now. And you got to score points. 21 points would have been good. Like, you know, 15 years ago, but not now. Let's talk Sabres for a couple minutes here. I'm a little more level-headed than I was last week. I was I was raging last week. I'm still struggling, though, with how badly that the season just completely imploded in front of our eyes. I looked at a stat. Back at the end of November, Buffalo had an 83% chance of making the playoffs at the end of November. <laughs> 83! Now that's oh, gone. God. And here's the thing. People are listening. It's March 1st, dude. And there's still a full, what, five weeks left of hockey. And we're thinking about getting lucky at the draft lottery again at this point. It took a lot longer than the last couple of years, but this team is toast. They're fucking, oh, I said I was going to be level-headed, man. Sorry. They're done. This year was another lost season. Uh, Three, six, and one in their last 10. I mean, they just completely fell off. Are you still, as we talk a week later now, a little shell-shocked at everything that's happened? I don't even care anymore. 
that that's kind of where I'm at right now. And I and I say that in a they I've just resigned to it. Like they suck. They're not gonna they're not making the playoffs. They've won. I think I I saw this stat like since the winning streak, they've won like three ro- regulation road wins since the since the ten game streak. They they can't they can't win, you know. And the, whatever they got a they got a defenseman this week in Monor and I, I think I pronounced it right. Maybe I didn't. I don't okay. care. But and he and and, Twi- and Twitter likes Sabers. Twitter seems to like him. Uh, I think they would like Twitter, anyone though. They would like anyone. Exactly. They wanted yes. it. They new, want change. So you could yeah, have any anyone. new person that comes in, they're gonna like. So maybe he'll he'll be good. I don't know. I actually thought they kind of maybe gave up a little bit too much, you know, but I don't know shit about you know, NHL hockey trades are so weird. Like my biggest issue with them and it's actually it's not with them, it's with fans that always have an apologist attitude for this team. I hate the excuses. I'm over the excuses. That's what bothers me, especially the they're too young narrative. It's a complete bunch of bullshit. All right, listen, middle stats a rookie. Darlene's a rookie. Rodriguez, it's his first full season. And Tage Thompson only had 41 games coming into this year. So 54 this year so far. So he's pretty much played the equivalent of one full season. But guess what, bro? That's four skaters. Four skaters out of 18 that are in the lineup just about every night. After that, fuck that too young bullshit. Jack Eichel is Ending his fourth year now. McCabe's his third year. Ryan Ark, this is his fourth full season. Sherry's three and a half seasons in. I don't buy that bullshit anymore that they're too young. They have plenty of veterans on this team. The problem is too many of those veterans are bummy. If this team sucks, they suck. They need change. Everyone knows that. But stop using an excuse that they're too young. They're not too yeah. young to be winning. Well, yeah. I mean, there there's always going to be people who make excuses. I think for both teams where... I think you're always in that whole line of trying to blame the predecessor. And I've gotten into fights with Twitter about like blaming, you know, Tim Murray. Oh, he gave him, he gave, you know, it was nothing. And that's his, and they're rebuilding. So give him like three years. Same. You hear the same shit with, about Doug Whaley. And maybe there's some validity to that, but like, let's not act like these teams, these guys are taking, were taking over teams with like, they weren't taking over the tank teams, you know, and I've said this before. So, uh, I, I'll, you know, Look, next year for both teams, you know, with the Bills and Sabres, it's a crucial year where both teams, in my opinion, have to make the playoffs. Yeah, no excuses. Like, enough of this shit. There's no, no more excuses. excuses. And that's what bothers okay. me about the Sabres. They definitely ain't too young. All right, typically I would leave it there. We talked to Bills and Sabres, but this was a really good week of WWE programming. We do talk about wrestling from time to time. And frankly, we've been critical of it because the product, for the most part, at least on the Raw and SmackDown side, has been pretty shitty. But if you look at this week, let's start on Raw. You got Roman Reigns who returned. Um, He's healthy or almost healthy. He he got physical. I don't know if he's going to be back immediately, but he's definitely going to be back soon. So that's good. You had Batista who, by the way, I mean... I, maybe if I did a better job of looking up spoilers, I might've known that he was going to be there, but I didn't. I was completely blown away and surprised. Did not know that he was going to be there. Clearly he's back and he's headed towards a, a WrestleMania feud with uh triple H now. And I like what they did with Ronda Rousey with the writing. They got her to go in the ring with, with Stephanie and demand that Becky Lynch gets put in that match. I think that went over pretty well with fans. She's fighting to have Becky Lynch in the match after Becky Lynch got kayfabe arrested with those pictures were kind of funny. But anyway, I thought it was a really good Raw. And then, actually, we'll talk about SmackDown in a second. Let me get your thoughts on Raw. I, I laid out kind of what happens. Do you have any thought on that? Um, I definitely think I agree with you. And overall, this week was a lot better programming-wise. I thought the Batista angle was awesome. I kind of feel bad for those fans who who decided, like, oh, wow, we're going to see the 70th birthday of Ric Flair. And they didn't right. see shit. You know, so, uh, you know, good with the switcheroo, I guess. But that was good. Uh, it will be interesting to see if the, how the fans react to Batista. Like, are they going to boo him going forward? Or are they going to cheer him? You know, cause I think maybe part of the reason maybe he wanted to come back as a heel was like the first time around he came back as a face. You remember with the Daniel Bryan oh, yeah, stuff and they, shit on him. And, and they shit it on it, but they may have just shit it on it because Daniel Bryan was involved. So we'll see how that goes with him, but I'm, I'm glad he's back. I guess, you know, him and triple H, there's a lot of story, storyline layers. You can definitely go through with their history and whatnot. Uh, it'll be interesting. It's, it's going to be, you know, them bad mania will be a return match because they, they fought at, I think WrestleMania 21, the LA one where, Batista won. That's when he went. That's when uh, Triple H like passed the torch to him, and he became the world champ. 
but I'm, I'm out. That was cool. The Ronda thing was fine, you know, if her, in her, with her, you know, doing her spiel like she's not going to take it anymore and gave the belt up. I can, I, I'm kind of over the McMahons though. I, I'm sick of seeing them all the time. Vince, just every time he comes out, I'm just like, dude, get off my TV. You're like 500 years old. I just don't. I'm over it. Like anytime they come out and now, you know, he's switching storylines here and there. And that's kind of like his new shtick. But uh, overall, I thought Rob was, uh, was, do you like what good. they did with Rhonda? Yeah. I, yeah. I thought it was, it was fine. You know, I, I mean, it was good. I'm interested to see where Rhonda goes after the, after WrestleMania, like if she's leaving or not. So it definitely feels like she's like, you know, she's not the A star for that feud. It's Becky right now. And I still wonder if they're trying to spear, you know, shoehorn her into that A spot with that, you know? So yeah, the storyline with her is fine. You know, it's, they've laid it out pretty well. I, I'm curious what the hell they're going to do at Fastlane. Cause right now Fastlane has like two matches on. on yeah. Tap, you know? I don't give a shit about Fastlane. I don't know. I'm I, not I sure, that, I'm I'm not like sure that WWE even gives a shit about Fastlane right now. Well, I, I, I played a WWE network to watch those fucking pay-per-views. So I care about Fastlane. <laughs> I, I feel like Ronda's kind of gotten a little bit of a, of a raw deal. She's done a ton for the women's division over the last year. And you know, I just, it, she was never going to win being in a, in a program with Becky Lynch. Because I don't also don't think, you know, seven months ago, WWE ever envisioned in their wildest dreams that Becky Lynch would get over to the point that she has. I am positive, quite positive that last year around this time, they were probably building towards the inevitable one on one between Ronda Rousey against Charlotte Flair. And that maybe that would alone would have been the main event of WrestleMania. And if I would have told you that a year ago, I think you would have been fine with that. But Becky Lynch has got so over. Oh, you know, over the summer and the fall that she just put a monkey wrench into everything. And now fans kind of, I don't want to say they're shitting on Rhonda because she does still have a lot of fans and she deserves them too. But it's like, you're right. She's taking a back seat. She's not the star in the program, at least in the WWE universe. She's not now mainstream. Sure. ESPN, you know, all the media outlets in the world. She's still the big star, but in, inside the WWE universe, it's about Becky Lynch, man. True. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see what they do with that. And I do, I do, you know, I, they should still be in the process of making Becky Lynch. Not Rhonda's already made and Rhonda may be leaving. And I think this is at WrestleMania. I think it's time for Rhonda to lose. So whether it's to Charlotte or whether it's to Becky, like she has to take a pin. I think if she's leaving, you know, it, it makes sense for her to do that. It's putting over Becky Lynch. And I think that's That's what's going to happen because they are. They are giving Becky the Stone Cold storyline, you know, Stone Cold, like the Steve Austin storyline of, you know, F the authority. Right. And they're kind of doing it, I guess, with, with Becky as well. So it's been their best programs thus far. I you agree. Know, it's been that women's that women's uh, storyline. You could tell even on the SmackDown side, too, that they're really looking to be unpredictable. And I feel like as a wrestling fan, some things work, some things don't. But I'll never criticize the company for surprising me and being unpredictable. You know what I mean? Like Matt Hardy came back. I had no clue that was coming and he's not woken Matt anymore. He's back being a tag team partner with his brother. Kevin Owens, of course, was the big one. He was, he's back. And what, well, let me ask you this. I, I think that you're going to agree with me. Kevin Owens is back. He for without earning it, gets the title shot against Daniel Bryan at fast lane. As of right now, no Kofi Kingston in that match. Do you think, that at the end of the day, Kofi Kingston is going to end up being the third participant in a triple threat match at Fastlane? Or do you think they did that because they're going to have Daniel Bryan go over Kevin Owens? Maybe someone screws Kevin Owens and that leads to something with him at WrestleMania. But anyway, Daniel Bryan goes over one-on-one with Kevin Owens, which leads to Kofi Mania happening at WrestleMania instead of Fastlane. Do you think that's where they're going with this? That's where they should go. I don't know if they will because Vince is unpredictable and he's crazy. You know, I, you know, Kofi's been a guy who's been there for a while. Maybe Vince sees like, you know, okay, you know, maybe Vince sees like the fans like him and maybe he's listening to them for once. I don't know, though, because, again, they've done that before where fans are listening. They're chanting Rusev Day and then they they throw they don't give a shit and they, you know, don't care about that sort of stuff. And they throw Rusev, you know, into the garbage or they're singing Shinsuke Nakamura's theme song. And he's like, ah, screw him, you know, make him a heel. I don't care. So. I, I don't know. Vince is unpredictable. It would it would be right to do that, you know, in terms of giving him a mania moment and having him win. And that's how you make a star, like make someone good. You know, I, I think the interesting thing with Kofi is this, is that what do they do with the New Day if he went, if he at, at, at some point wins the title? Like, do they break up the New Day 
or do they have it to where the New Day are like, you know, this fun faction and he's like the champion of that? Because if there's I was trying to think of figure this out. Like when was the last time someone was like the world champion as a face and he was associated with a stable? It never happens. It's usually like right. you have like the bad guy have the belt and, he, and then he has like a stable around him, like evolution or, you know, the Wyatt family when Bray Wyatt was the champion or something like that. You know, they don't they don't usually have that where you have the face and has a groupie with him, you know, a bunch of guys with him. It's usually the other way around. So I'm curious to see what they would do that. I am concerned about Owens. I don't know how Owens is as a face. And I think they're kind of booking him that way. They're, they they did those weird videos of him, like, eat bowling and eating pizza. And I was like, what the hell is this supposed to be? Like, is he supposed to be, like, the common man? Like, are they bringing back Dusty Rhodes, the common man, like, you know, doing to- like doing men stuff or whatever the fuck? Like, that's a little bit weird. I always, I think Owens has always been great as a as a heel. So it will be it will be interesting to see if he if they're running him as a face. Like, how is that going to go over in terms of that? So we'll see. I don't I don't know. I I don't think I don't think they're going to make it a triple threat match at fa- at fast lane at all because there's only one more week left. And I I probably do will say like yes that the mania plan for Kofi versus Brian. Is what they're going to do. I will throw this as a dark horse. If Roman Reigns is cleared, and he's his goal is to come back in Mania, I could see them putting Roman on SmackDown. Maybe having Roman win the title, and then Seth Rollins wins the title, and then you have that like Shield reunion at the end of the show where they kind of like what they had with Benoit and Guerrero that one time when they were like, "Oh, we love each other," and like you know they both were the world champions. They kind of do that with them, and then when they do do the draft shakeup, which happens right after Mania. They switch and Roman goes to Raw with the title, with the WWE Championship, and then Seth goes to SmackDown with the Universal title. I don't think Brock Lesnar's ever going to lose. <laughs> no, I don't think he's going to be the champ for the next twenty years, and he's going to defend the belt like three times a year at the most. He has to lose, man. He has to lose at Mania, man. Like, come on, like I don't think he's going Brock to. It. I actually think that's the one. You know, it would be a great feel-good moment for Seth Rollins to win. I actually am starting to think that's the one thing that's not going to happen. I think ultimately Kofi Kingston is going to go to WrestleMania and beat Daniel Bryan and be champion, and they'll figure it out later. I definitely think Becky Lynch is going to win the title. She'll close it. That'll be the main event. But you can't have all happy endings. There's got to be a bad guy who wins. It pisses you off. And just for me, it's kind of falling in line that, oh, here we go again. Brock Lesnar beats Seth Rollins and keeps the belt. Maybe. I don't know. I don't. Brock has to put over someone soon, sooner. I mean, he's done it with Roman. I don't know. Just, I think it's time. Like, no, like he's got to put some people over. Like he, it said, he's just killing people left and right. That's always what he's been doing. So we'll see. It's weird. Again, there's no trajectory right now with any other, you know, storylines in terms of mania. And we're like, what, 40 days away. And right now there's only two matches that we know of that are going to happen where everything else is kind of like, what the fuck are they going to do with Cena? Braun Strowman, oh, you know, Roman. There's you know, a all that lot of left to be determined. You're a hundred percent right. I mean, unofficially, I, I I'm pretty sure you're headed towards Batista against triple H. That's going to happen as well. But yeah, absolutely. What's going on with Cena is the undertaker again, of being around. Cause I don't think that's going to happen. What's going to happen with the tag team picture. What the fuck is going on with these NXT guys that are been up the last two weeks? Are they going to be involved in anything significant? So yeah, there's a lot they should do in a dream match scenario. I would do Al- Alistair black versus undertaker. Like you got the, the new dark guy versus the old dark guy. If, if that's if takers alive or I don't even know if he's in their good graces anymore, who, what the fuck is going on? But I would do that in mania and have black just destroy taker and like become the new dark guy of the freaking, you know, dark guy of the uh, Federation or whatever the hell you want to call it. Well, all right, it's time to hit off your finisher. I'm pretty sure it's not going to be Jason Witten announcing that he's coming back to the NFL. He's going to play with Dallas again in 2019. I'm pretty sure it's not going to be that. And I'm pretty sure it's not. Wait, gonna, wait, 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 hold on. Wait, he's coming back to play. That is happening. That is as we tape this Thursday. Yep. It was announced. Jason winning has ended his retirement. No more Monday night football. <laughs> he's playing with Dallas. They're going to give him, I think, five million for 2019. We'll talk about that next week. That's not going to be your finisher. And I'm pretty confident that you don't really care much about Manny Machado signing with San Diego for 10 years, 300 million. So what do you got, man? What's your finisher? What if I told you I forgot to make to, to think of a finisher? <laughs> now I am, I'm going to do it on the cusp. I'm just going to say this because I know you love them. 
I hate awards shows. Fuck all award shows. I don't care about the Oscars. I don't care oh, about the man. NFL award shows. I don't care about the MTV movie awards. Breaking all my heart. of those shows are horrible. Throw them into a fire. I don't care. The only thing I actually care about, which is probably what like the audience hates, if they're calling out Trump to say he's an asshole. Like that's the only thing I care about. Everything else about everyone and what they wear and, and stupid jokes and thanking everyone and winning an Oscar. Fuck you. I don't care. The commercials are too long. They're boring. I've never liked them. The last, the only time that I ever liked it was when Christina Aguilera and Britney Spears made out. Like that was awesome. Okay, and and like put that put that on a loop forever. Like that they could do that. Okay, give me some lesbian action. That's that will make an award show. Okay, but other than that, fuck award shows. I hate them and don't ever put them on my my uh, timeline ever again. Twitter. All right, that is going to do it for this episode. Big thank you again, Del Reed, Bill's Mafia, 26 shirts. Great to finally meet you in person. Sit down, have breakfast, tape a segment with you. Hope those chicken and waffles set well through the rest of the day. Big fan of his. I can see why so many people like Del Reed. Class act. So thanks again, Del. Thanks as well to my buddy Joe. Buffalo wins on Twitter. Another segment of the Running with Joe We agreed on way too much today. Don't expect that going forward. But, hey, it was fun while it lasted. Thanks again, Joe. Coming up on the show next week, in fact, next Tuesday, I have Buffalo Bills long snapper Reed Ferguson. We're going to talk to him about his career, his trip from London that he's just getting back from, and his love for The Office, my favorite TV show of all time. We kind of connected with that over Twitter last week, so looking forward to having him on. And then next Friday is the 100th episode of the Analytics podcast. And to celebrate, I got my guy, Tim Graham from The Athletic. He's going to be my guest. He was on all the way back in the second episode. So he's going to be here for the 100th. Can't think of a better person that I'd want to have an interview with to celebrate that milestone than with Tim. So look out for that next week. Guys, if you haven't done so already, I invite you to subscribe to this podcast. It's quick. It's easy. It's completely free. When you subscribe, new episodes automatically get sent directly to your phone or to your computer within just minutes of being released. That's the advantage of subscribing to the podcast. Simply put, you're going to get it before anyone else. I usually have a new show every Tuesday and Friday. If you have an iPhone or an iPad, just simply whoop that out. Open up that purple podcast app. Type in Moranalytics Podcast under search. Hit the subscribe button. Literally, that's it. That's all you got to do. Don't forget to rate and review. Like I said at the top, that always helps tremendously. If iPhones or iPads aren't your thing, or if you simply prefer to get your podcast elsewhere, you can hit us up on Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, pretty much anywhere future award-winning podcasts are found. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter for updates, podcast polls, news, takes god knows what else i try to keep it interesting on there you could do that by following me at pat moran tweets have a good weekend have a safe weekend have an enjoyable weekend and i'll talk to you again on tuesday i'll catch you on the flippity flip bye nobody builds 5g like verizon builds 5g Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.